afternoon and welcome to Third and Short here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. Happy homecoming week to all our fellow Tigers out there. Third and Short is your one-stop shop for NFL news and fantasy football analysis. My name is Luke Sweezy and I am joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Jack Shimanek. How are you today? I'm doing well. I've had a pretty busy week with homecoming coming up, but I'm excited for a good show today and excited for just the the upcoming weekend as a whole. A lot going on both in our lives and on the gridiron. So Jack, what are we talking about this week? So this week on the show, we're going to start by looking back at week four. We're going to give out some awards for some noteworthy players from the past week. Then we'll take a look at the week five game slate and close things out with some more fantasy football discussion. And before we get started on all of today's topics, let's go over some of the important headlines from around the league. And let's start here with a surprise roster cut breaking news from this morning. Yeah, so uh, the New England Patriots are planning to release four-time Pro Bowl cornerback Stephon Gilmore. Gilmore was eligible to come off the physically unable to perform or pup list after week six. The 31-year-old corner who won Defensive Player of the Year just two years ago in 2019, is arguably still one of the top corners in the game, but Gilmore and the Patriots were unable to come to terms on a new restructured contract. The news leaked prematurely, and there is a chance he might end up being traded before his release is official at 4 p.m. this afternoon, with the Buccaneers and Packers both being names that we have seen pop up, so we're going to keep an eye on this one. Definitely worth monitoring if he's going to get traded or if he's going to get cut because that's going to change a lot of the contract situation, I would imagine. But I think he's probably going to go to a contender one way or another at this point would be my expectation. Yep. And then also just last night, the Dallas Cowboys released their linebacker Jalen Smith, which came as a bit of a surprise. He was on the roster bubble at one point in the offseason. And I think just the improved performance of other players on the roster led to Smith being the odd man out. But again, I, I don't have much doubt that he's also going to end up on a roster very soon. All right, let's move into some of the injuries from this week. All right, so to begin, both Logan Thomas and Joe Mixon are considered week-to-week with uh, injuries following their week four matchups. Thomas has a hamstring injury that could see him miss a week or two. I know it's pretty much a long shot he plays this week, while Mixon has a sprained ankle that he suffered in the Thursday night game against the Jags. Samaje Ryan will see an increased role if Mixon can't go. I think it's higher. there's a higher chance that Mixon plays than, than Thomas plays. Yes, I think that's that's definitely fair, but I'm not really expecting either of them to play this no, week. No, me neither. All right, up next, we've got Bears running back David Montgomery. He managed to avoid a ACL tear in last week's game after, after injuring his knee. After further testing, it was revealed that Montgomery has a knee sprain, and that's going to sideline him for the next four to five weeks is the current timetable. Damian Williams is now set to take over the starting role with rookie Khalil Herbert as his likely backup and the bears are also still without their normal backup running back Tariq cohen who's been on the pup list for a while now and isn't eligible to return until week seven but i haven't seen a lot of encouraging reports on his status so i would not be expecting him to be the savior here no for sure definitely damian williams uh, all the way And moving on, Jaguars wide receiver DJ Chark fractured his left ankle during their Thursday night football matchup against the Bengals. On Monday, Chark was placed on IR. He is considered out indefinitely, and if he opts to undergo surgery, his season will be over. 
And one more here. Broncos quarterback Teddy Bridgewater is currently in concussion protocol and is considered day-to-day if he is not cleared in time for their Week 5 matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Former Mizzou Tiger Drew Locke is going to get in the start. Let's go Tigers. We'll see what ends up happening there. Now, Jack, I know it's not quite that time of year yet, but Seinfeld did get added to Netflix last week. So let's get in the spirit. I know that you might have some grievances you want to air about the conclusion of the Broncos Ravens matchup. My friend, you have the floor. Yeah, I'll keep this pretty short. Um, I wanted to talk about Vic Fangio. I've always been a fan of his as a coach in the the NFL. Uh, Really liked past tense, Ben. Yeah, I really like this Broncos team uh, coming into the season. And I I, I like Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Teddy Bridgewater, all those guys. Um, I I just had a problem with the way that he came after the Ravens. I felt like he kind of disrespected the players and the coaches by saying that he expected these things from us or that we were putting our players safety second. Um, I mean, he had a problem with us running the ball uh, on the final play. Even though we didn't line up in victory formation, we lined up in a regular formation. Mm-hmm. So they it's not like we we deceived them and and we're like, oh, we're giving up, but we actually ran the ball. No. But the Broncos also tried to score really late, even though the outcome was decided. So I don't really know why he got angry because they kind of did the same thing. An NFL game is 60 minutes long. You get played to you get paid to play the full game. Uh, you know, it, it's a situation where I think both sides uh, are, are justified here. But, you know, you're you're tying an NFL record, and I don't think it's something that you should get too hung up over. So I just didn't really like how he disrespected the players in the organization. That's the main thing I had a problem with. I think that's fair. You feel better now? Yeah. All right. Glad to hear it. And it is going to be time for our first break here. When we come back, we're going to be getting into our recap of all the action of the week four regular season games. You're listening to Third and Short here on KCOU. Welcome back to Third and Short here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. I'm your host, Luke Sweezy, joined as always by Jack Shimanek. Now, this show, as we said at the top, is dedicated to covering everything related to the National Football League. Now it's time to take a look back at what you need to know from week four. As we go through some of the best games from last weekend, as always, we've got some awards that we need to hand out. All right, we have three awards that we are going to be giving out this week for some performances and interesting things that happened in the previous week. So, Jack, what do we got here first? All right, so our first award today is the Vulture Award. Now, this award goes to a player who just seems to get all of the goal line carries for his team, despite not really factoring into the offense outside of the red zone. A vulture takes away touches from fantasy relevant players, keeping them away from certain bell cow status. And for this week and really the past two weeks, the vulture award goes to Cardinals running back James Conner. That man is a vulture. So Connor does have a bit of a sizable role in the high-powered Cardinals offense, but he's not their starting running back. And right now, James Connor is tied with Derrick Henry and Ezekiel Elliott for the second most rushing touchdowns this season. He's got four touchdowns 
sacks, two of which came last week, and their starting running back, Chase Edmonds, accounts for many more of the yards in the backfield, but he hasn't found the way into the end zone yet this year. On Sunday, Edmonds rushed for 120 yards with no touchdowns, while Connor went for 50 yards and two (laughs) touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, I almost feel... I must feel kind of bad for Chase Edmonds. He's doing all the hard work between the 20s. And then when they get into the red zone, it's like the, the James Conner show. His his production has ex- almost exclusively come from touchdowns. And anyone who owns Chase Edmonds has got to be furious. Yeah, it's all the all the production to get the team to where they need to be in scoring position is on the backs of Chase Edmonds. But they're not they're not letting him get there. Yeah, he's this year's Jordan Howard. He's this year. Kind of similar to what Mike Evans was last year, too, where it was yeah. like only touchdowns and no yards. But yeah, that's got to be a bit frustrating. But James Conner, vulture in those touchdowns. And what do we got next? All right. So the next award that we have is an award that I'm calling playing both sides of the ball. Now, this award goes to a player who showed great ability to make big plays on both offense defense or even special teams now this week the award goes to raiders wide receiver hunter renfro who on top of his six catches for 45 yards and a touchdown made one of the bets the best hits of the week on an attempted fake punt ran by the chargers absolute highlight reel hit from oh, a wide receiver it was amazing <laughs> i mean renfro came down from his returner position and laid out gunner tavon campbell as he tried to make the catch to get the first down renfro looked like a seasoned vet executing a textbook pass breakup to give the raiders the ball in a really great spot in, in chargers territory that unfortunately they couldn't capitalize on great production out of hunter renfro taking care of it both sides of the ball for like, sure playing them playing them both and playing them very well on top of that all right we got one last award that we need to give out here we're calling this the what year is it award this award we're giving out to two players this week who were both stars in the league at some point but have since aged and faded out of the spotlight a bit and their strong performances this week made us wonder what year is it <laughs> who's, ta- who's taking home the award i love this 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 week we're actually going to give it to two guys uh, we're going to give it to randall cobb and aj green now randall cobb made his return to the packers this offseason after two years away from his buddy aaron Rodgers. after just five total targets in the first three games cobb broke out against the steelers for five catches on six targets for 69 yards and two touchdowns this was actually the first time cobb had even scored a touchdown since week 11 of last year and Cobb is of course sharing this award with Cardinals wide receiver AJ Green who after a long and pretty successful career with the Bengals finally got out of Cincinnati after a nine-year stint and after a disappointing 2020 season he has found a role as the true wide receiver two for the Arizona Cardinals behind DeAndre Hopkins and not only has Green had six targets in every game this season he's also leading the Cardinals in targets and it's really just been very consistent this year which is something you can't say about his production in the last few years on the Bengals I mean I think part of it was they they might have shut him down because they knew he was gone after they got T Higgins and um Tyler Boyd on that Bengals team but yeah I mean it's one of those Julio it's a Julio Jones situation where a lot of people are talking about Julio as a guy who people thought might have been washed up who isn't and I feel like AJ Green has has taken over that role more so than Julio has this year I agree AJ Green's really gone under the radar and I think 
being on a winning team probably changes a lot for him and his attitude and mindset. So yeah, he probably rekindled his love for the game now that the Cardinals are real contenders. Yeah, the Cardinals have given him a real spark and he's been playing great this year. All right, let's move into some game recaps, starting off with Sunday night football Buccaneers at Patriots Buccaneers narrowly walk away with the win 19 to 17. What happened? It was a great game. I mean, the, the Buccaneers almost lost, but Patriots kicker Nick Folk actually hit the left upright on a 56-yard goal attempt late in the game, which which wouldn't have won the game for the Patriots, but it would have made it pretty hard for the Buccaneers to come back. Yeah, there would have been a lot of time left on the clock for them to go and win it. And mm-hmm. the weather was a big factor in the matchup. The not a very pass-heavy game. It was just pouring at different times in the game. Yeah. So a lot of stuff was staying on the ground um brady looked solid yep um had some rough throws and hasn't been as hot as he's been in the previous few weeks but i don't think that's the story of this game i think it's the fact that mac jones was able to really hang in there for most of this game and keep it competitive i mean he's so smart as as a quarterback he really seems like a leader um on that offense he was able to make a lot of checks at the line i was really impressed with uh some of the reads he made some of the throws he made and even though the patriots didn't win this game i think they should be very proud of their performance yeah no one expected them to be as competitive as they were and mac jones i think he's just steady that's the word i keep coming back to when i think of mac jones he's been able to not have too many costly mistakes for them and that and with enough talent around him and a strong defense that'll keep them in a lot of games and that's kind of what you want out of a rookie quarterback compared to what we're seeing from some of the other quarterbacks in this class so the patriots have to be pretty pleased with what they're getting out of mac jones his touchdown pass to hunter henry was beautiful that was really nice in a tight window um something else of note of course that happened during this game is tom brady officially passed drew Brees as the nfl's all-time passing yards leader what a way to do it had got got it done in his homecoming yeah right before our homecoming week isn't that. that nice isn't that nice all right so yeah pretty good game there some questions about the buccaneers but we'll talk about that later up next we got seahawks at 49ers seahawks win 28 to 21 big storyline in this game has got to be the emergence of trey lance as a second half starter after jimmy g went down with a lower body injury i can't remember exactly what it was um but lance was able to complete half of his passes for over 200 yards but we need to relax on trey lance he did throw for 200 yards but 75 of those came on one was play. one deep ball to debo well debo was literally wide open and he ran 50 yards down the field yeah so like he, he's still a very raw prospect. There were clear accuracy issues in that game against Seattle. I think Kyle Shanahan has a plan to take his time with Trey Lance, but we'll see how the offense plays with him at quarterback. And we've been talking about this, the two of us a bit, that the 49ers kind of fly under the radar and don't get as much criticism as it is really warranted, especially yeah. Kyle Shanahan, because we went and looked last night at the record of all the 49ers teams where Shanahan was head coach. Only winning year was the year they got to the Super Bowl in 2019. Yeah. They've had a losing record in every other year, and they've had an overall losing record. So I think that there are some more questions with the 49ers than most people really look into. And I think they're the clear number four in the NFC West right now. Right now they have to be. I mean, th- this this goes into um – talking about Seattle a little bit. I mean, they've had a slow start to the season. Their offense has looked pretty good. I mean, Russ has been throwing the ball well, especially deep. They haven't gotten a ton of production from their running backs, but 
you know, Bobby Wagner is really like the only piece on that Seattle defense I love. And hopefully they can they can continue to play average enough to uh, supplement Russell Wilson in that offense. Yeah, Wagner's such a leader on that team, and he played really good on Sunday because pretty much shut down George Kittle for the most part. So yeah. have have somebody like that as just a, a monster in the middle of the field. That's always good, and that's going to be enough to keep Seattle relevant in yep. these games. Up next, we got Chiefs at Eagles. Chiefs win 42 to 30. Chiefs offense finally ba- bounces back after a couple rough weeks here. Patrick Mahomes throws for five touchdowns. Tyreek Hill won me a fantasy game with 11 receptions, <laughs> 186 yards, and three touchdowns. Crazy game. Crazy game. And I'm happy to see it. It's it's a team that we expected to beat. We went in and we beat as we should have. And the, the questions do still remain about the quality of our defense. We allowed Jalen Hurts to throw for a career high 387 yards. Well, I mean, I understand a that. Lot, a lot of it was garbage time, but still. Yeah. It's tough. It's it's concerning, especially considering who we've got on the slate this week with the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I'm a little worried about that one, of course. But also something of note, Andy Reid became the first coach in NFL history to win 100 games with two separate teams. And that's awesome to see and happy to see him out healthy on the sidelines after being hospitalized after last week's game. As for the Eagles, I mean, they put up a lot of points against, yeah. a, against a bad defense, which you can't knock them for that. Devontae Smith looks really good still. Seven receptions, 122 yards. I think it's exciting to be watching his development throughout the season. And Jalen Hurts looks I He looks pretty good. Yeah, I think the, there, there's a lot to be. The Eagles are not a good team yet, but I think there's definitely things to be excited about, especially with that offense. There's pieces. They're not they're not a contender right now, but maybe in the next few years they can put stuff together. Yep. All right. Here's a big shocker from last week. Titans at Jets. The Jets win a football game 27 to 24 <laughs> in overtime. Yeah. Over the Tennessee Titans, who have been kind of a perennial playoff team the last few years. I mean, it's it's really tough. I think this game says more about the Titans than it does against about the Jets. The Jets are still a bad team. I mean, Jets fans, wherever you are, um, relax on Zach Wilson. He had a he had a nice game, made a couple nice throws, but the Titans are legitimately not contenders without any defensive consistency and a lack of weapons. I get that their two best receivers were injured, but they, they would have won this game if AJ Brown and Julio Jones were on the field. I if feel, either one of them was on the field, I think they would have won still. Yeah, I feel like there's just no one to throw to. I know. And Ryan Tannehill didn't have the best game. He took a lot of sacks mm-hmm. that were when I went back and watched it. Yeah, Luan's not had a great year on the line. Yeah, th- he's been getting pressured, but he also did things to put the offensive line in tougher positions. Um, I mean, it's it's tough. I don't really know what to make of this Titans team. Well, someone has to win the AFC South, and it's probably still the Titans, but it's looking like we might get a, it's wide a, a team barely over 500 taking the crown in that division. It's starting to get pretty ugly and we will move forward here up next. We've got Panthers at Cowboys. Cowboys win it 36 to 28 in a big matchup. Mm-hmm. Panthers really miss Christian McCaffrey. I think 
He's um, the centerpiece of that offense, and he does so much both on the ground and in the receiving game that it's a really hard role to fill. I think that if he was on the field, it would have been much more competitive. Yeah, without and and when you look at the Panthers' defense, they had been pretty dang good for the first couple weeks of the season, and then they finally played a, a top five offense in the league. And without um, J.C. Horn and with really only Brian Burns being a, the tr- only true star on that defense, yeah, they they kind of got exposed. And I don't think the final score really does it justice because the Panthers scored a late touchdown that didn't mm-hmm. matter. I, I'm not completely going to write off this Panthers defense just yet. No, me neither. Because the, the Cowboys are doing this to every defense they come up against. Yeah, I think they're the best offense in the NFL right now. I think there's a legitimate case to be made for that because mm-hmm. they've got solid offensive line. Zeke is playing like he used to. Great receiving options. Yeah, they have they have the two they have two guys in the top five for highest graded offensive linemen for PFF. Which is crazy. Yeah. And all all of that talent on one team in a division that is kind of a vacuum for talent in the NFC East, which yeah. is also not looking too good. And I think at this point it's safe to say that Dallas is clearly the front runner and at the very least the most talented team in the NFC East. And a lot of that is because that defense has really taken a step forward. This it has. Year. All right. Last game. We want to recap here. Another shocker Cardinals at Rams Cardinals dominate and come out with a win 37 to 20 in Los Angeles in SoFi. I, I was, I was pretty shocked. I mean, the Cardinals did a great job of mixing run and pass against a stout Rams defense that I think has been pretty susceptible to the run this year. Mm-hmm. They took care of the ball. Kyler Murray did not have any dumb interceptions on on huge throws down the field, and they were able to get pressure on Stafford enough to disrupt those timing throws that the Rams have been so good with over the past couple of years. The Cardinals defense is a lot better than I've been giving them credit for. Yeah, I think p- part of it is that their secondary hasn't been tested yet. They're going to play some teams that will be able to stop their pass rush, and then I think we'll see the Cardinals regress back towards the the, the mean in terms of defense because I think they're pretty average defense, yeah. but they still played really well. And they're now the only remaining undefeated team at 4-0. I would not have predicted that. Which feels weird. I don't. I wouldn't have put that as a possibility either. I thought the Rams were going were gonna to go for it here. And yeah. I'm not that worried about the Rams, though. Oh, no. Do not worry about the Rams. It's just an off week. I think that they're going to bounce back on Thursday night against the Seahawks, who have a lot of holes that they can exploit pretty easily. Yeah, sometimes good teams need those humbling losses, and I think that they'll move forward in a good way from this loss. Drop one early, realize you're not as good as you think you are, and then I think that this team is going to keep moving. And just It, it was just a tough, tough game. They, yeah. The Cardinals came out really, really strong, really fast, and there was just nothing they could do to really catch up at that point. Okay. All right, it is time for another break here on the show. When we come back, we are going to be kicking off our week five preview. You're listening to Third and Short here on KCOU. Back to third and short here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia with Luke Sweezy and Jack Shemenek. We're going to be taking a look at some of the most notable matchups on the NFL week five game slate. And before we get into that, we got a little game we want to play. We are bringing back a segment from a few weeks ago, contender or pretender. 
we're going to go through and look at the teams that have records of three and one or four and oh, and discuss if we think that they are true contenders to make the playoffs or just pretending like they will for now. Let's start with all the one loss teams headed into week five. We'll start with the Raiders. What about the Raiders, Luke? I think the Chargers kind of exposed them on Uh, Monday Night Football. I think you're right. So I think this is what we've seen with the Raiders the last couple years in the John Gruden era. Start hot. Once teams figure them out, they don't make great adjustments to everything. And I think that there's, I mean, they can be a wild card team. Mm -hmm. I I don't think they're a true contender for winning the AFC West. And I think that the Cardinals defense showed what you have to do to get into Derek Carr's head and make him play poorly. So I'm not that concerned with the Raiders anymore. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Because it, it's a team they're going to see again also mm-hmm. with not an amazing defense that really put out a blueprint of what you have to do to shut down this team. And that defense does not have enough talent for me to think they can overcome no. issues on offense and stay in some of these games. So Raiders optimistic wild card team, but I think that they're definitely a pretender and a three and one record. Couldn't agree more up next. The Cincinnati Bengals are three and one, which is weird to say out loud. I mean, they're obviously pretenders. The roster is not super talented outside their offense. And I don't think Zach Taylor is that good of a head coach. <laughs> Um, the Bengals are going to start to play more of their AFC North opponents. And as, as we have seen the Steelers regress a little bit this season, I still think that all those games are going to be tough for them. So we'll really see how many of those they can win. Yeah. Ravens and Browns. Those are both, those are both going to be tough series for the Bengals to stick in for. And I mean, I will say Joe Burrows looked really good. He's been good. But you look at the team's that they've played. They got a nice win over the Steelers. They lost to the bears and they almost let the Jags beat them on Thursday night. Yeah. I'm not terribly concerned if I'm playing the Bengals right now. So I think we both agree definitely pretenders. And once they get into the heart of their divisional schedule, things are going to head South quick up next. We got the Dallas Cowboys who are also sitting at three and one. And I got to say this team looks like a legit contender, not just to win the NFC East, but to possibly win a playoff game or two. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. I was, I was pretty high on the Cowboys. I picked them to win the division before the season started. They look like they might have the best offense in the NFL. Zeke looks explosive again. Their defense is much improved. I think that they are in a couple of weeks, they might be a lock to win the NFC East. Dude, they're, they're drafting well. Their picks are panning out. And Dak Prescott, I don't think any concerns that people had before the season, those are all out the window. Yeah. He looks healthy. He looks confident. He's playing great football. I think the Dallas Cowboys are almost a lock for the playoffs at this point. I think they can win some games too. And I love the fact that they're leaning on the run to take some of the pressure off Dak after the big injury. It's a balanced attack that is terrifying. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm with you there on the Cowboys. How about the Buccaneers who are also three and one? They, they've got to be contenders as the defending Super Bowl champions. But I have a lot more questions about this team than I did a few weeks ago. Because keep in mind, this they brought back their entire Super Bowl roster. They literally did not lose a Which was a major soul. story in the offseason. But now we are seeing some problems in the secondary in particular that we weren't seeing a year before. Yeah, they, um, they're contenders largely because of how weak their division is. And there should be more concerns for Bucks fans this year than there was last year. Their secondary has been decimated by injuries. I mean, if 33-year-old Richard Sherman is your best option, that's kind of tough. 
All right, that's fair. Um, we're going to move into our game previews now, starting with the primetime matchups. As always, up first, we got a pretty nice Thursday night matchup, Rams at Seahawks. Who you got? There's no doubt in my mind that the Rams will win this game, even though the Seahawks did get a good win against the 49ers last week. They've just been fine. Yeah, the nothing, Ram- nothing terribly impressive in this Rams team is is due at this point. The Rams got to come out and show that they're still the team that we thought they were, even after an unexpected loss to the Cardinals. I think it's going to be a big game from Darrell Henderson against the Seahawks defense that seems to always allow a ton of rushing yards and fa- and rushing fantasy points to running backs. Yeah, and Henderson, he was out for a week, came back and went right back into being the bell cow and just completely dominating that backfield. So you have to be optimistic about his health and condition moving forward. And I expect Stafford's going to fix things and Cup's going to get going again. And this is an offense that should be able to take care of the Seahawks secondary in this current state. For sure. Up next... Can we call it matchup of the week? I think that's fair. I really hope it's going to be. This is going to be a fun one, folks. It's going to be a little scary for me. Bills at Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, talk about a game where we are going to see some points scored. I don't even care if the over is at seven. I need to know what the over is. Pick that over, man. It's going to be. Oh, man. The Bills have just destroyed teams for three straight weeks. Bad teams, but still. I know, but they shut shut out two teams. They're still doing it. Yep. And the offense is not just Stefan Diggs anymore. No. Ma- Manuel Sanders is a much more productive wide receiver, too, than John Brown had been in years past. You've got Dal- uh, you've got Dawson Knox. You've got the running backs are being productive. They're actually running the ball. Yep. I, th- I think Singletary and Moss both got around 16 carries last week so it also helps when you're winning but yeah that's that's good to see but they did not run the ball at all last year so i think they're taking a lot of pressure off of josh allen and that team is just the point differential is insane right now it's insane and they're heading into a chief's defense that has shown nothing to give me confidence that we can stop a whole lot going there but fair enough so i'm i'm gonna pick against the chiefs this week i don't like doing it but i think the bills are gonna beat us Ye of little faith. I am taking the Kansas City Chiefs at home. The Bills have not played. It's home. It's prime time. They have not played a a playoff team in the past three weeks. I think the Chiefs are going to come out hot after a big win last week and shell shock that Bills defense. It might come down to whoever has the ball last, but I'm really excited to watch Josh Gordon play. He looks in shape. The reports out of camp are great being activated to the active roster i think it's gonna be a great game i mean it's gonna be a great game no matter what but i just think it might fall the cards might fall against us i I could totally see that too it's a coin flip for me but as a football fan you gotta just love a matchup i love this it's gonna be so much fun i got no dog in the fight i'm gonna just hope for a great game speaking of a fight you have a dog and let's head to monday night football colts at ravens ravens should get an easy win here Man, I really hope so. The Colts finally got their first win last week against a Dolphins team that just has a backup quarterback and does not look very good. They don't look good at all. Um, I'm really excited to watch uh, Darius Leonard shadowing Lamar Jackson as both of those players are the best athletes at their respective positions. Mm -hmm. I I think this game will be closer than most people think. I think the Colts will be able to run the ball on our defense we have a we have a decent rush defense i don't think it's insane but the ravens have always been a team that pride themselves uh as a team that can always do well against the run so 
we'll we'll see what happens. But I think the Ravens just seem like the better team this year. So I'll pick them to win. I agree. Definitely look like a strong team in the Colts. There's just too many questions with too that team questions. right now. Exactly. So I'm taking taking the Ravens at home. All right. Up next, another great matchup: Browns at Chargers. This is one that is really going to be fun because I think they're similar teams in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I had this one circled on the calendar all preseason. I thought both these teams would be pretty good, but the Chargers have certainly exceeded expectations. Um, this is going to be if the Browns can establish the run, I think they win. But that Chargers defense has some athletes. Uh, the Browns offense has been a little bit underwhelming and we're also getting some reports this morning about a possible shoulder injury to baker mayfield and i don't know if that's going to impact things but on the other side on the other side justin herbert's been incredible yeah so yeah that offense is high flying the browns lack of weapons scares me so i'm gonna take the chargers in this one i'm taking the chargers too and i've been picking i've been picking against the browns so much this season and they were one of the best teams in the afc last year they're three and one but i just have not i've not been convinced in the way that they're winning games no it's it's been a lot of close games against teams that they should be beating a lot by a lot wider margins than they are right now Mm -hmm. up next 49ers at cardinals cardinals looking to remain undefeated against a 49ers team to where we don't know who's going to be starting at quarterback how do you feel? So uh, I'm almost certain that Trey Lance is going to play because Jimmy G is not healthy. Um, I think Trey Lance gives them more of an opportunity to win because of the mobility he adds. It'll wear better, down better athlete than Jimmy. Yeah, G, it's so. going to wear down the older pass rushers of the Cardinals. Chandler Jones, JJ Watt. They're going to be running all over the field. Uh, it might be harder for them to get consistent pressure. I really don't think that the Cardinals are going to drop this game. I think that they'll do exactly what they did against the Rams and just mix in the run and the pass. And, and Trey Lance is basically going to have to hang with Kyler Murray, who is the front runner for MVP right now. And I just don't think it happens. Yeah. I mean, I think Trey Lance gives them more upside and the different kinds of plays they can be calling, but I haven't, seen a lot from him in the passing game that makes me think that he can keep up right now i'm assuming they're going to be down and he's going to have to throw so i'm definitely taking the cardinals here yeah that, that's a this is a tough spot for what might be his first start as a rookie quarterback yep last game we want to talk about packers at Bengals. two surprising three win teams one one surprising one not well yeah i would say the packers could easily be undefeated right now if they didn't drop that weird week one game to the saints yeah. And nobody was expecting the Bengals to be in this position at the beginning of the season. Uh, again, I mean, Cincinnati is going to need Joe Burrow to hang with Aaron Rodgers. It's the same thing we talked about with Trey Lance going against Kyler Murray. I just don't see Burrow being able to. Burrow could. He could. I, I don't I don't think they can win, but it might be closer than we than we think it's going to be. Yeah. Burrow's had a good year. And it is the game is in Cincinnati, which is easier for Burrow. I guess, but it's not going to be as loud. It's true. But Aaron Rodgers looking great again. All those questions we had after week one about how much does he care about this team? What's he really out there trying to do? Is he still the player he once was? I think the answer is a resounding yes. Aaron Rodgers still going after an MVP campaign. And this is definitely a team that the Packers should beat pretty easily. And I think I saw that Packers coach Matt LaFleur 
uh, has like the best record in the first like 100 games of any yeah, he does. head coach ever. He's now. been impressive. So I think that this is a team that, well coached, might be getting an additional cornerback on defense. They're definitely we'll a name attached we'll to Gilmore, which that Gilmore and Jair Alexander. If nice, that, if nice that ends up happening, that is terrifying. Yeah, the the one thing I'll say about the 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 injury to Joe Mixon, I think, really hinders the Bengals' opportunity to win this game, because if they were able to establish the run against a Packers defense that is not good against the run, yes, that was the big issue last year for sure. They could control the clock and keep Aaron Rodgers off the field, but with Samaj Ryan most likely being their starter, I just don't see it happening. Definitely taking the Packers. I'm with you. Go Pack Go. I'm taking the Packers. It is time for one last break here on the show. When we come back, we're going to be wrapping things up, talking about what you need to know for your fantasy football team this week. We'll be right back. You're listening to Third and Short here on KCOU. Welcome back to the final block, third and short here on KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia. I'm your host, Luke Sweezy, joined by Jack Shimanek. And at the end of every show, we are always going to be talking about fantasy football. So if you've got a tough start sit decision for the week, you can tweet us at third and short KCOU, and we will try to answer your question on the show. Just please include player names and scoring format. Terms of our own personal lives, we play each other this week, Jack. I know. I saw that this morning, and I'm like, <laughs> "Oh God, how are we going to do this?" So we'll keep you updated on how that goes. We should tweet out both of our rosters and put a poll and see what people think's going to win. I'll, I'll, we can do that. I think that I think that'd be fun. So. I mean, it's going to be you. I, I got injuries everywhere. I'm I'm not that confident in my team right we'll see. now. We'll, we'll see, see what happens. We'll we'll let you decide. And before we get into questions and everything, we're going to go over a few. Uh, Things you should be thinking about in terms of trades right now. So we're going to give some candidates you should buy low on and players that you should sell high on right now. We'll start with the buy low and the first name on my list, DeAndre Hopkins. Love that. He's currently wide receiver 24 in full PPR. And I have no doubt that he's going to still finish as a top 10 option at the position. This is the lowest his value is going to be right now. Yeah. So if you want a certified stud wide receiver, one who is being drafted as wide receiver four. Yeah. Go get him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think that there's no way there's no, uh, you said you mentioned top 10. I, I would, I would say top 15 for sure. Yeah. Um, he's, he's had a few down weeks, but he's had tough matchups. I mean, he got Jalen Ramsey last week and he still had a decent stat line. The touchdowns yeah. I feel like will start to go his way a little bit more. He's, he's still the best or the second best wide receiver in the league on an offense that loves to throw the ball down the field. I think you got to get this guy if you're having wide receiver problems. I'm with you. He had four catches for 67 yards against the best corner in the league. Yeah, that's pretty dang good. I'm I'm buying for sure on DeAndre Hopkins. Up next, TJ Hawkinson, tight end Detroit Lions, an absolute target hound. I love TJ Hawkinson. Elite player at his position in the tight end position, of course, is very thin once again. So TJ Hawkinson, I think, is a lock to be a top five tight end on the season. I think he finishes as, as tight end three. Yeah. I could see that. He's just had two down weeks. So if, if you got a team in your league, 0-4 or 1-3 that has TJ Hawkinson, now is the time to go in and 
put in offer because the targets are still there. He had four catches last week, but that was on eight targets. I think he's still the number one option in that offense. And some of the other lines receivers are performing better. So that might open things up again. Yep, I, I totally agree. I think that he is he's just one of the safest floors for any tight end. And if you can get him, he's a great ad. All right. Give us one more, Jack. So one of my by low candidates has got to be Stefan Diggs. Um, I'm not quite sure exactly where he is right now. I think he's the wide receiver 19 or so in full PPR. He hasn't scored any touchdowns or maybe he scored one. He hasn't scored nearly as many touchdowns as he scored last year. No. And touchdowns are one of those things that are just really unlucky if you're not getting them. They're so they're so random. Diggs is still so, so talented. He's an amazing route runner, and he's still getting a lot of targets in that offense. The Bills, especially against the Chiefs, are probably going to throw 50, 55 times. And, you know, I think he's a guy that you really want to have on your roster in the future as just a guy who's going to go out and be one of the most consistent plays at the receiver position, especially in full PPR. I'm with you. Big fan of digs. Let's move into sell high. So we'll list off some players that if you have on your roster, their trade value is as high as we think it's really going to get. So if you are thin at another position and you're worried about some long-term season outcomes, it might be the time to move one of these guys, even if they've been a really strong piece of your team so far. And up first is a name we already talked about, so we won't spend too much time on it. James Connor, running back, Arizona Cardinals. I don't think the touchdowns are sustainable because like, like you said, a lot of, a lot of this is luck. So it might be time to move from him. Who who else do you think we should be selling high on? This is a little bit of a stretch, but I'm selling high on Saquon Barkley. I think this is the best week that he has all year. Their offense is not that good. Their run blocking line is very bad. Bottom five. He, he looks healthy and he's more involved. I think the things that the thing that's going to save him in full PPR is all the targets he's been getting. Mm-hmm. So if there's a game where he he only has two, three targets, and I could see that forthcoming with the additions of Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard back into the lineup, he's really going to have to produce on the ground. And I don't know if I trust it as much as some other options. It's a question of consistency. Yeah. If, if you want to get a pretty much equivalent player that you just trust more. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fine. His range do. of outcomes is so wide each week. And it's just, he's kind of an annoying guy to have. Cause you don't know what you're going to get from week to week. All right. Let's move into our questions for the week up first. Carl asks, is Robbie Anderson still worth a roster spot? How do you feel about this? Cause I think that he is for a bit longer. I agree with you. I don't think that you should be dropping Robbie Anderson yet. The targets are still there. Again, I feel like it's one of those things where it's just unlucky. Like DJ Moore is not going to catch 13 passes every freaking week. Yeah. And Robbie had 11 targets last week. Matt Rule, their coach, has been very vocal about trying to get him more involved. DJ clearly is Darnold's number one option. Yeah. But I think that there is a role for Robbie because DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson were both productive last year with worse quarterback play. Right. So I think it's it's just going to have to correct itself at some point. Be patient on it, but we'll see. I think that it's not worth cutting him right now because no. there's, there's no one that I'm looking at on the waiver wire that I think is more worthy of a roster spot exactly. with, with the upside that Robbie Anderson has. Exactly. All right. Another question here. This person has Ezekiel Elliott and was offered a trade for Alvin Kamara. Do you accept the trade? Do you think Alvin Kamara is going to bounce back? I'm holding on to Zeke right now. I don't trust Kamara. I don't trust the Saints offense. 
I think when uh, Traquan Smith and Michael Thomas get back fully healthy, I think we'll see more targets going to the wide receivers. And Zeke has been really good. He is their goal line back. That offense is scoring points. And Zeke is good for maybe a touchdown every week. And you can't ask for better play from your RB1. It's hard to be encouraged by what Alvin Kamara's role looks like without Drew Brees starting. Yeah. In the games that Drew missed last year and now in the post-Drew Brees era, his role is not really what it used to be. He still had over 100 yards this week. He had a career high in rushing attempts, actually. But the receiving upside has been capped. Which is is what made him as valuable as he was. In full PPR. So, yeah, I think I'm holding on Zeke. Yep. All right, let's move into some start sits here. Up first, Bryce asks Tyler Lockett versus the Rams or Marquise Hollywood Brown versus the Colts. What do you think, Jack? Hollywood has been pretty good for Lamar this season. And I think his role is he's the clear wide receiver one right now. Um, and Lockett's probably the wide receiver two. But Lockett can always have huge weeks. I think here Brown is the safer play. Um, I actually wrote in the script that Lockett has an apparent injury. It was his hip, but he doesn't have an injury designation currently right now. Okay. So expect him to be 100%. Um, again, I think the Seahawks are going to have to throw a lot. So Lockett is your upside play here, but I think Brown has a safer floor this I'd- week. I'll agree with you on that. Let's move forward. Connor has two questions for us up first. Again, Tyler Lockett or Jamar Chase. (laughs) Yeah. Again with Lockett, um, you know, it's like he doesn't get a ton of targets, but when he catches the ball, he scores touchdowns. Yeah. So big play potential. But the thing about Jamar Chase is he's currently the wide receiver 12 in PPR. And I think that he's the play against a Packers secondary that outside of Jair Alexander isn't great it's not bad it's not great but i think that the there's going to be a lot of points in that game and so while both options are good i think that uh chase might be just a little bit better yeah i i agree i don't really know it's it's tough it's tough i think chase is a safer floor but if you're looking for upside lock it yeah. is is just a home run hitter mm-hmm. so you never know but i, I I'll, I'll lean chase there And his other question in a different league, Tyler Lockett, Clyde, Edwards, Hilaire, or Amari Cooper. I'll take this one. I'm taking, I'm taking Clyde right now. Clyde's got to start. Yeah. I mean, unless you're really deep at running back, chances are Clyde is your RB too. So in a game where we're going to see a lot of points, just start. And if you can can put a solid running back in your flex, that's what I like to do generally anyways. Yeah. It's it's one of those things where if you're in full PPR, a wide receiver might be a little bit more valuable but tyler lockett and amari cooper have not been high volume guys this year no they have been like apart from week one amari cooper has been a guy that um hasn't been great and when he is good it's because he has big plays so i think clyde is is the start here all right our last question mikey asks who does he start at his flex brandon cooks versus the patriots or kenny galladay versus the cowboys saying that bill belichick versus rookie quarterbacks is scary and I think he's very correct it in that scary. analysis. It's so scary. Let's just run down a couple of recent rookie quarterbacks that Belichick went up against. So earlier this year, the Patriots played Zach Wilson in the game that he threw four interceptions. Four interceptions. Last season, pretty late in a great rookie like campaign week nine, for, week 10 or something. For, for Justin Herbert. They the Patriots got went 45 to zero and they that Patriots team was not that good no that was a that was a worse team than they are this it year it was really so strange if Bill Belichick is able to do that to Justin Herbert 
what he's going to do to Davis Mills this week is oh, I'm afraid oh, for Davis Mills. I I don't want any piece of the Texans this week. I I got to start Galladay. Man, it seems like Mikey's always asking about Brandon Cooks and Kenny Galladay. It's a t- it's a tough decision it's tough, every you're week. Right, it is tough because both talented players on not great teams to where the matchup really is influential on what you can do there. But yeah, I, I mean, I definitely like Galladay versus the Cowboys because they're going to be down, um, and their wide receiver room is while it's crowded, it's a little banged up. So Galladay's probably the move here, but. I could see Brandon Cooks getting a lot of garbage time targets. I agree. And that is our last question. That is going to do it for us this week. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for tuning into third and short this afternoon here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. If you would like to keep up with everything going on with the show, you can go over to our Twitter and follow us at third and short KCOU. We hope you tune in again next week at this same time. Best of luck to your teams, both in real life and in fantasy. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Wednesday.